That scripture's been around for 2,000 years, and there's about that many interpretations. And it's kind of daunting to hear that, right? There's a, there's a true theme in there where it says, certain people will come to Jesus and say, we did many amazing things in your name, and he says to them, I didn't know you, depart from me. So we're going to try and dig through that. Last week, I'm glad you showed up here, we did some work, because it takes work at times to figure out what Jesus is saying, and there's a little more work, so put your hard hat on for 25 minutes, put your rain boots on, and we're going to work again, because we need to get this right. We need to get the Bible right, but this particular passage of Scripture, do we need to get right, church? Yes. Because if we get it wrong, we wrongly speak for Jesus and condemn lots of people. We probably shouldn't. We learned about judgment in Matthew chapter 7. And if we get it wrong, we don't take the proper inventory of our own lives and go, what is God saying through his son? So let me pray, and then let's work. It's kind of cold in here. Work would be good, right? When I'm cold, I know you guys are cold. Father, help me. May your son's words come alive afresh in a true way. Encourage your children, Lord. Don't let me speak falsely, but let me... Dependent upon your grace, show what you are saying through Jesus here. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We broke this up into two passages, but Matthew 7, 15, remember what Jesus is specifically saying. He is talking about false prophets. He's talking about people who come and they look like little Bambi or a sheep, but they're really a wolf, right? And he gives a parallel or a juxtaposition of what These wolves, false teachers, will tend to do, and we didn't get there last week because we were unpacking this thing of fruit. Remember fruit? All the way back to Isaiah. We saw that Isaiah, when the nation was strained from God, said, this is what the Lord looks for, righteousness and justice. That's the fruit God wants. God doesn't simply want preaching or music or prophecy or Bible study. He wants from his people righteousness, right relating to him and worshiping him, receiving the gospel by faith. And then upon that, it's always been the plan. This is where covenant theology gets a little, we have to study sometimes, right? That's always been the plan. Then he wants people in light of rightly relating to him. The first four Ten Commandments are relating to who? The next six are being just to one another. To not coveting my neighbor's wife. That's a pretty good thing, right? Yeah, God said it a long time ago. To not lie to one another. Forget this election cycle, amen? Be a whole lot better. Not stealing from one another. Go earn your keep. Everyone goes what? Amen. It's been that way, and throughout the Old Testament, God sent the law and then the prophets to remind his people. It's always been about relating rightly to your father, Yahweh, and then in relating rightly to him, seeing someone else and going, they're not this color, they're not that color, they're not rich, they're not poor, they're not fat, they're not skinny. They're a human being. Because of my relationship with my God, I'm going to treat them as such. And things got real weird in the Old Testament. And around Isaiah's times, we know from Scripture and archaeology that people, God's people, were actually oppressing their own. And Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, we saw last week, was telling of impending judgment. It's looming. It's looming. And what happened in 587 B.C.? Anybody remember? These Babylonians showed up. And they were bad dudes. And they came, 
and took down the temple <laughs> and brought the nation, a lot of them, the educated, the military, the rich, into exile. And this all happened. And Jesus knew this. And so he was reminding his hearers in the end of the Sermon on the Mount of don't forget the heart of God. Relate correctly to him. In our covenant, post-Jesus, post-resurrection, by faith we receive salvation. And in receiving that salvation, it just changed everything because we do have a new heart, and then we relate justly or correctly to others. So that's what he's getting at. That's what we're going to try and get at. And let me pull up Matthew 7.15 just so we see the whole section. Matthew 7.15, again, this is who Jesus is addressing. Next verse. You guys can read it. We've got to get our brains working. We studied this last week. You will know them by their what? Fruit. And last week we saw the fruit God desires from all of his people is righteousness, right relating to him, and justice. I hope you hear that. R and J, R and J. And remember in Matthew 7 we heard that little jingle? Anybody remember that one? Don't turn there, but... Sorry, remember in Isaiah 7 we heard that little jingle? Isaiah said it this way. He looked for Mishpat but got Mispak. He looked for Sedekah and got Sahaka. So Isaiah wanted his hearers to remember this little jingle. And that's where we're at. So let's continue to dig. You can go, Timmy, to Matthew 7.21. Matthew 7.21. John read it, but this is the, oh man, the heavy, heavy words of Jesus. And we want to get this right. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but look at the second half. Those who will enter are the ones who do my Father's business. That's what it says. Church, stay with me. What is the Father's business? Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. We just read it. We just studied it for, you believe, almost six months. None of us who have attended regularly can say, I don't know the Father's business. Because we learned it. We are to live as peacemakers. We are to live meekly and gently and kindly. We are to learn, live as ones who deal with our anger in Christ and in the gospel. We are to ones who deal with our lust. Remember what lust is? It's not simply sexual. It's objectifying someone and taking advantage of them for personal gain. We are to learn to treat women properly in the kingdom. Amen? All the ladies say, amen. And not objectify them and take advantage of them. In marriage, Jesus is teaching on marriage, it's for life. And even most of the followers back then are like, wait a minute, marriage is for life? Let me rethink this thing. Because that was the cultural norm of the day. Men were upgrading, getting the new model often. And Jesus said, stop. We learned about good things that we should do with proper motives, remember? When we give, are we to go, I'm giving to Debbie. Look at Debbie's poor situation. Have my iPad. Jesus wants us to do that? No. Do it this way. Bless you, sister. So my right hand does not know what my left hand is doing. So my motives are correct and pure. I'm treating her justly. Does anyone like to feel, look at the poor bum, let me give to him. No one likes to feel that way. Even if they're, what's the word? Even if they're used to that. Then Jesus taught us about prayer. Don't pray like the Gentiles or the hypocrites because they'll be heard for their many words. Go into your secret spot and pray to your heavenly Father who is in secret, who hears in secret, who knows everything you need before you even ask it. 
That's how we treat each other well. Because often prayer circles, Jesus knew this, become theological think tanks or gossip sessions. Amen? We pray together. We do. But we do so in a way Jesus commanded. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus taught us this. It's not a magic prayer, but it's a guide to learn how to pray. And then Jesus taught us about fasting in the kingdom, remember? How do we treat others well when we fast? We put on our makeup and our clear cell, me and my gel. I don't walk around like this, look how holy I am. I'm so hungry, oh my gosh. Jesus says the hypocrites do that. Don't do that. So Jesus taught us for two and a half chapters of how to treat each other justly. Just go read the Sermon on the Mount. This was Jesus' stump speech. I'm way off iPad now. I'm just going with it, all right? This is what he would have said in Wisconsin on the stump. Would he have won the primary? Heck no. No way. They would have said, that's a crazy carpenter with sandals. Get him out of here. But he's teaching us about the kingdom. And now he comes to this section, wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. Three metaphors. Two weeks ago we saw the road, remember? Two roads. Easy one, hard one. Not so much about eternal salvation. There could be a hint there. But what we learned is the world is living for self. They will pick you up, put you in your mouth, spit you out, and keep going. But the kingdom is about treating each other justly in right relation to God. And we are to treat all people the way we wish we would be treated, namely, with mercy, grace, and justice. How do you want to be treated when you go to the DMV? Patiently? With kindness? How do you want to be treated if the IRS calls you? Remember, Jesus taught us about judging. Basically, don't judge, but when you have to judge, do so with all the mercy the law allows you to do so with. So Jesus teaches us many things. But then he comes to false teachers because they are here in the church and out of the church. I'm just going to say this. I think our two candidates are false teachers. I, that's just my personal opinion. I think they are promising things they cannot cash in on both of them, and I think they want your money more than they want anything else. That's my political stump. I'm off. Everyone say amen. Pastor won't talk politics anymore. That's my view. That's my view, though, Okay. So this just isn't religious speak. He is specifically speaking to people who come and have come, and we'll talk about that in a sec, but this can cover many areas of life. And these are the characteristics. False teachers will be known by their fruit. We've defined fruit. And then he says, in that time, these people who act very pious and righteous will say to me, Lord, Lord, but they haven't done the will of my Father. And that's where it gets tricky. Hear this from your pastor. Doing the will of your Father does not earn you salvation. You receiving the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ by faith transforms your heart and enables you to do the will of your Father joyfully and gladly, and you are a daughter of the King. It's the stamp of approval. It's the family stamp. So hear that. Doing the will of your Father does not remove what was due to you or me but receiving God's gracious forgiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ allows me to do the will of my Father willingly and not under obligation. You guys know what I mean by under obligation? Oh, i got to do that. It's terrible. Oh, hi. Hi, Courtney. How are you doing? There's something in my heart that's still not right. Amen? 
I get to go serve is a whole different ballgame. So that's where we come to this whole culmination. Next verse. And this is tough too. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? This has to do with speaking oracles, we think. Speaking things that come true. If I were here and stand up on this podium and I told you every single score to every single game in the NFL this weekend, you would revere me and want me to bet for you. You would. If I were to stand up here and, ex and predict the stock market, every single stock, what's going to happen tomorrow when it opens, you would go, oh, it's not simply talking about that. That was more sorcery. That happened back then and it happens in certain cultures now. But prophecy is speaking on behalf of God, speaking God's truth. It happened many times in the Old Testament. If you ever read your Old Testament prophets, an oracle, for the Lord, an oracle from the Lord came upon me in different verbiage like that. And in your name cast out demons. I've never cast out a demon. When I worked as a paramedic once or twice, for, I worked for 10 years, I thought there might have been a patient who had some spiritual things going on. I asked to pray for one of them. I got a look and a sound I didn't like. I backed off. I was able to pray for the other patient that I thought some things were going on. But people apparently who are going to cast out demons are in allegiance to God. So this gets a little tricky. And do many mighty works in your name. We've done this stuff, Lord. How are you casting me out? This is the conundrum. Next verse. We have one more? And this is the hard part. What's going on? A few minutes to find out what's going on. I'm going to try and give you the macro version of the teaching, the big picture. I believe what Jesus is telling us is this. There will be many people with many different types of tactics who will come and try and shock and awe you and do allegiance to them and their supernatural dealings. What Jesus has already told us, the kingdom of God is not primarily made up of miracles. It's made up of the gospel, which results in righteousness and justice as we live it out. Remember the fruit piece. Jesus is saying, I want fruit. One of the reasons the Old Testament got in trouble, the saints in the Old Testament, was they weren't producing the fruit God wanted, and then he removed protection, and people came. And Jesus is saying, just the same way, the fruit the kingdom is built on is righteousness and justice, not casting out demons. Not prophecy alone. Not the supernatural. Can I have nine volunteers? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Come on, come on, hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on, Courtney, I know, I know, I'm getting you up. Come on, come on, come on. Who's the best one here? I should probably say my wife, she's not, but just come on up, hurry. We're wasting time, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, here we go. Carol's the best one, here we go. Carol is the sun. Everyone say, hi, sun. The, the sun. You stay here. Help me with planets. I'm terrible. What's next? What's the next planet? Is it Mercury? Say, hi, Miss Mercury. And then Venus. Thank you. Say, hi, Miss Venus. And then Earth, right? Mars. What? Earth or Mars? Earth. Third. Whew, I know that much. Mars. What's next? Jupiter. What's next? What's next? What's Okay, very good. Planets.
Kara, wave your hand. Wave your hand. What, I know I'm going to get in trouble, so it's not perfect. What is the mainstay in our Milky Way? I know the sun. Just go, the sun. How awesome is the sun? It's amazing. It's why we live and breathe. It's how God ordained life. The sun is everything. These planets rotate around Carol. Carol doesn't rotate around the planets. Amen? Did I get that much right? Is that good? You guys are really tired in here. Okay, anyways. So everyone go, high sun. High sun. <laughs> Courtney gets a little miraculous and does a cool couple things. Just wave your hands at everyone. Everyone go, hi, Courtney. Does that change or affect the sun? No. Courtney is maybe doing the miraculous. Sam, get a little, do something. Oh, very good. Something else happens out here. Is the sun really affected? I know it's not perfect. Go with me. No. The sun, in a sense, is sovereign and controls everything in these planets. Let's have all the planets sit down. It's here for the planets. Good job. You stay. Come on up with me, can you? So, Jesus is telling us the kingdom of God is similar to that. Truly miraculous happens. But hear me, saints. You good, Carol? It happens on the periphery. It isn't the main event. Jesus Christ, the true miracle, the one who rose from the dead, that's the miracle the kingdom of God is based on. And faith in that leads to righteousness with God, and then what? A new heart and justice towards all other humans. What I mean by justice? Acting like Bob Page. He's a nice guy. I need to act more like Bob Page. Amen? He treats people justly and, and correctly and kindly, even if they disagree. Now, if I'm going to affront Bob and question the deity of Christ and do all these things that some people do to us, Bob's going to treat me with dignity and say, you're wrong and here's what the scriptures tell you. But we do that justly, right? Back to our son. You're the son who's come in to save the world and show us what the kingdom is all about. I hope these people let us remember what Jesus is saying. This is the main event. This is the kingdom working on periphery. When people come, whether they're religious or political or anywhere in between, and say, this is the main event, go, thanks, but no thanks. He's the main event, Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Not he, but Jesus. She's being Jesus. The sun, which breathes life, to all who believe. The son who's been raised from the dead. We can sit down now. Let's hear it for Carol. Good job. So things happen in the kingdom. Things happen in different cultures. I'll tell you a story in a minute about Africa. Things happen which sometimes we can't explain. But anyone who says, that's the main event, come give me your money, go, thank you, but no thank you. My main event is Jesus Christ and his gospel. He's the one. His kingdom is not based on miracles. They happen. The supernatural happens. Jesus' name is extremely powerful. Traveling uh, to South Sudan three and a half, four years ago, I met a missionary couple, Tina and Greg. I might have told some of you the men's group this story, but hang with me. It's a good story. I've got to tell it at least twice, right? I got sick coming home from South Sudan, so I stayed in their house, and uh, I felt like, oh, I got sick, but whatever. I'm, I'm a wimp is what I'm trying to say. And uh, going out to dinner with them, they told me about a story they had. What Tina and Greg do, he's an ex-Marine, she's, I think, an RN with some other things, didn't, don't remember the specifics. They, crazy, 
they backpack into the bush in southern Sudan, which we were. I mean, into the bush. It is a hot, arid, there's more conflict now per se, but there, there was conflict back then. And they had a team, and they take everything they need for three weeks. They have water filters and do different things. And they're going to a village they've had some dialogue with, but nothing crazy. And another member on the team, I think, gets bit by a snake, some puff adder, is that a snake? The nickname of the snake was One Day. Because when you get bit, you have less, it, it was, it's pretty much over. So they're just outside of camp, the village, and uh, word comes to the village that somebody got bit by a snake. And um, the chief comes out and says, uh, basically, the last rites, whatever they do, culturally. Like, it's over. And so Greg, from my recollection, says, thank you, very gracious. <laughs> Isn't like, don't bring your false gods here, whatever what Christians like to do, but you're very gracious. And he goes, when Jesus Christ heals him, can we come talk to your people? And the chief laughs and goes, yeah, you can, come, you can come talk to my people. They start an IV. They have some medicine, mostly for pain. They pray fervently. Greg, I think fast, but, not in a, but just in a, a way that we would see. And three days later, who walks into the village? The gentleman that was bit. That's a miracle, folks. Now, that miracle opened the door for these people to share the gospel with Jesus Christ. I'm not, it's not a Hollywood movie. To my recollection, not the whole village got saved. But there is a church there now in a rural village, southern Sudan. So don't discount miracles. We have some folks who travel all over the world here. They can speak of miracles and testify. But anyone who says, this miracle and me the miracle worker are the main event, be wary about. If you have some time this week, um, just Google the Todd Bentley story. Not to throw a bunch of fire at him, but he was big and popular six or seven years ago with his miracle revivals in Florida. And it ended very poorly because the main event was miracles. Remember, the main event of our faith is Jesus Christ and the gospel, the sun in our universe. Miracles happen. We pray for miracles. I brought Carol up here because if you don't know, she's a walking miracle. She came to Hope Church of San Mateo almost four years ago, gravely ill, and we were actually planning a funeral. And now she's being a part of our demonstration. Glory to God, right? So miracles happen, folks. <laughs> miracles happen, but don't be swindled by the miracle worker when the miracles are the main event. Remember Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying in a macro version. The fruit he's looking for? Righteousness and justice. Judgment is coming. You know what happened about, give or take, 39 years after he spoke this, the temple in Jerusalem fell. Rome took eight or nine or ten months to destroy the city. And uh, we find ourselves where we're at today, actually, 2,000 years later. I didn't get all into that. There's a whole other sermon in there, but we'll move on next week to the rock and the sand. We'll finish up soon. We'll maybe get one or two sermons on James. Hear this before Advent. Do you believe that? I'm begging, here we go, last beg before I pray. I'm begging for all of your help, those who are in town on November 26th. We are going to deck the halls of this facility. We had a bunch of lights donated from a very generous family. I bought 56 more boxes of lights yesterday with my daughter, Kayla. Can I get a witness? Can you say, you were there, right? 
So the point is this place is going to be Christmas to the max. We have a wonderful, wonderfully beautiful small, not small, but white nativity scene we're going to put in front of my office, and we're going to start to become neighbors in that way to our community and pray that God would do whatever he wants to do. So November 26th, I already have homemade chili coming. It's 26th at 10 o'clock. I need some other homemade soup because we're going to have a hearty fest too. Why don't we stand, church? Stand with me if you can. Let's pray. You are invited to fellowship after. Stay away from the, uh, is it still raining? It's good. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the words of your son. Thank you for his grace and wisdom and mercy to not denounce miracles, but remind us of your kingdom, which is the true event. To remind us of the true son, the one who rose from the dead, the ultimate miracle. Keep us steady in this wayward life, Lord. Keep us steady as a church, as a nation, as a people, as Christians. Let us continue to thank you for giving us the grace to be forgiven, but let us not dwell. Let us walk out these doors this week and look for opportunities to live like forgiven ones, to serve and love and be just. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.